Hello and welcome to the debug log number 85. Tonight we're back after a short, another unplanned hiatus. It's been a rough summer. We've been very busy. A lot of stuff going on. But we're glad to bring you this episode where we talk all about sharing as a game developer. Sharing what you're working on, sharing your intentions of where you want to go. There's been some discussion of this lately all around the idea that, of that if developers share, then they get crapped on for it. You know, that it can turn into this whole big PR nightmare, marketing mess, and that's why sometimes you don't see bigger companies do it, whereas sometimes you see indie companies share all the time. Where do we fall on this? Where does the industry fall on this? We discuss it tonight, and we hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, this is the Debug Log, episode 85. You're listening to the Debug a podcast about game development. My name's Andrew Curry. I'm Abino Oparo. I'm Zach Schneider. And I'm Ryan Kilgore. And tonight, we're going to talk about sharing. As I put in our outline, sharing is caring. We'll get into that. That's a teaser for tonight. But first, we haven't had an episode in a while. Obina, do we have any reviews on the idea? Hell yeah! Pew, 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 pew. All right, sorry. <laughs> Not rapid, rapid fire. That's true. Go. That's your wrong, wrong one. Uh, uh, first off, uh, let's read. So this is a uh, review after a long drought of no reviews, but I guess it's fair because we had a long drought of no podcast or episode. So anyway, here it <laughs> yeah. goes. Yeah. Uh, this is from the Continental Zero, who says Ooh. best game dev podcast Classy. around. The quality and consistency of this podcast is second to none. So many game dev podcasts suffer from awkward conversations and poor production values. The debug log is the complete opposite and does a wonderful job of mixing technical topics with design concepts. And the group host dynamic, oh, the group host dynamic allows for a variety of views and experiences to be shared. Keep up the good works, guys. I'd love here. I'd love to hear some post Unity Unite roundups in the future. Ah, cheers! Thanks nice. a lot, Continental. Nice. Appreciate it, sir. We'll tip my hat to you. We're about to prove all of that wrong tonight. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And as always, to do a review, download iTunes. Oh, right. There. If you had iTunes, <laughs> delete it after you do it. Whatever. It helps us get out there, and and I say, really, honestly, it just makes our day. We're not right. about taking over the world at this point. We like to do this podcast because we like uh, doing it. Speak um, for yourself, buddy. Well, okay. Well, but it's more <laughs> a long, it's, it's, it's transitioned to a long-term taking over the world process. So right. it might take 10 years, but but we it actually honestly makes our day when we read this. It really does. Cheers. Yeah. All right. Tonight, after being basically gone for all of September, we're going to come back with a hot topic. We thought instead of hitting at a technical thing and other stuff tonight, we thought it was a perfect time to hit upon this topic that's risen in the game dev circles and on the game sites recently. And it all centers around game devs sharing what they do, like we do every, not every week, what we do, you know, consistently two to three times a month, hopefully. Um, uh, and this all started with, a tw- I guess he, I guess it's a Twitter rant, right? Because he just started bitching about stuff. But, right. Um, yeah. From a designer and programmer named Charles Randall, and he's used, he's from Ubisoft and Bioware, um, and I think he's got into it. In we were going to post an article in the show notes about this, written by Jason Schreier, who the blood blood sweat and pixels guy, as Ryan pointed out, he just wrote that book. Um, same author, he wrote this article, this kind of roundup of what this story is about. And um, Charles Randall, I guess, I don't know what kind of prompted this this Twitter rant, but he just went on Twitter like in the past week and started talking about the idea of game devs sharing what they're doing and why they usually don't do that. Because, we, again, we talked in the show, we do it every week. We, a lot of people we know do it. We've seen, you know, there's, again, examples like Double Fine and other people do like documentaries as they make a game. But by and large, what is that, like 10 or 20% maybe of studios that do it? Right. Not a lot of people do it. Um, and for anybody wondering that and wondering why there's not a lot of transparency, he took to Twitter and did this. I'm just going to read this because we'll, just, we'll read this. It'll take five minutes and we'll, then we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. Um, so he says, quote, The other day a friend commented to me, I wish game developers were more candid about development. He was surprised when I said, we are. 
The caveat is that we are only candid when other industry people with other other industry people because gamer culture is so toxic that being candid in public is dangerous. See the recent Twitter thread about game design tricks to make games better. Then we, we talked about that too. Maybe that occlusion calling thing. That right. That's the same type of topic. Um, anyway, filled gamers with angry, quote unquote, angry about, quote unquote, being lied to. Forums and comment sections are full of Dunning-Kruger specialists. That's uh, that's the uh, study that talks about where the least, the less you know, the more you think you know, right? <laughs> the more think you're right, which is kind of interesting. Specialists who are just waiting for any reason to descend on actual developers. See any thread where some dumbass comments how easy it would be to say, add multiplayer or change engines. Any dev who talks candidly about the difficulty of something like that just triggers a wave of people questioning their entire resume. Questioning here being an absurd euphemism for becoming a target of an entire faction of gamers for harassment or worse. These are still topics I can't touch because I was candid once and it resulted in dumb headlines, misunderstandings, and harassment. So while I talk candidly about certain big topics right now, I know doing so would lead to another wave of assholes throwing shit at me. And of course, I face (laughs) almost nothing compared to women, people of color, LGBTQ plus folks. Okay, I think he's talking about, I guess they, they refer to that he worked in the middle of Earth Shadow on Mordor, and they, he kind of talked about how they shared animations with Assassin's Creed, and people freaked out. Anyway, we'll finish it up. He continued, but here's the rub. All the stuff you ever wanted to know about game development will be out there, if not for the toxic gaming community. We love to talk about development, the challenges we face, the problems we solve, the shortcuts we take, but it almost is never worth it. I did a public talk a couple of weeks ago to a room full of kids of all ages, and afterwards a kid came up to me and was talking about stuff. And I shit you not, this kid, somewhere between 13 and 16, I'd guess, starts talking about how bad devs are because of a YouTuber he watches. He nailed all the points, quote-unquote, bad engines, being greedy, you name it, I was appalled. I did my best to tell him that all those things people, people freak out about are normal and have justifications. I hope I got through a bit, but I expect he went back to consuming toxic culture via YouTube personalities, and one day he'll probably harass a dev over nonsense. That's his extent of his Twitter. There's a lot to uh, unpack there, but it centers around the idea that what he's basically, the premise he's saying is that a lot of game devs, especially corporate game devs, you know, AAA developers, don't share because when they do, it one, it can become a marketing nightmare, right? But also just people descend on it and say, Woo! you know, he's saying that the game, the game, uh, the gamer culture is so toxic that it just gets out of control and gets everywhere. So I thought this would be a great topic. Ryan posted this story and I thought it'd be cool to talk about because it's also what we do all the time. We share all the time. Um, but we also, to that point, we talk to other game developers. We're not talking to gamers. Um, so let's just open up. What do you guys? What did you guys think of this article? First off, well, I mean, I thought he had a lot of good points as far as like you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff when you start talking about it, you know, that people will judge you and sort of question you from an outside perspective when they're not sort of in the trenches on you know how you get to where you are or the decisions you make. So I, I definitely can see where he encounters probably a, a lot of people sort of like giving him. F- flack or giving the industry flack for certain things when, you know, you're sort of there as an observer and a consumer and expecting certain things, but not knowing how it exactly works. So, but, at, you know, at the same time, I guess, I don't know, there, there's, there, the game industry has kind of done some things that can lead to consumers, you know, questioning what they do or, you know, sort of thinking that they're maybe not being honest to them. So, right. Uh, it, it reminded me a lot of like the I, uh, I've been playing Overwatch a lot lately, and like the the YouTube culture for Overwatch is like a perfect like sample of this because every single person has an opinion on what you can do to make the game better, or what they should do, or what they shouldn't do, and it's, it's everybody's throwing their opinion out there, and then going, oh well, they're just lazy for not doing this. You know, they're putting three characters out a year. Why, why can't they just do more? They can always just do more. You know, it's it's nobody's ever happy with what they have and so it, it's kind of hard to go oh well you know we're planning on doing this in fact um uh what's his name uh his first name is jeff he's the uh community um actually at blizzard Gosh, darn. 
Jeff, uh, that's Jeff enough. Kaplan. <laughs> yeah, just Jeff. Sure. <laughs> I think it's Jeff Kaplan, but he. Uh, it like, is. He, it's all, Jeff yeah, all the time he's responding to people's posts who are like, "Oh, this is so bugged," and then he goes and looks at their account and he's like, "It's not really bugged. You're you're just complaining for no reason." So it, it just like I think I think he's spot on with toxic toxicity of the gaming culture. So. Yeah, man. I, well, I mean, is it? Oh, go ahead, Abina. Oh no, I was just gonna comment as well. It's like my f- initial reactions about the article and his points made, which I completely agree with about the culture that is the gaming or game developer or game game developer to gamer culture. Uh, and I was actually reading this uh, Reddit thread today, actually about uh, when my coworkers posted it about like the three. Well, this is it was unrelated, but three different like levels of I guess engineer or tech levels, which is like the Actually, that part's not important. What what was important is the fact that he like related the game industry to the movie industry and how starkly different they are as it relates to the consumer versus the producer of said content, I guess. And how like the movie industry, you can get away with a lot. I wouldn't even say call it getting away with because I think that should be the standard of where you, you may set a release date or you set you know your expectations about the film but then your consumers aren't like harping about you or or, you know if you you know release a little later they're not like oh you failed as an industry you failed as a a producer of a movie um so it's just like well they do the one thing they do do is then that culture now is that they actually go oh it must be in trouble i was like wow oh like yeah financially like a financial (laughs) worry it's like oh the movie must suck because they're taking more time with it it's like well maybe they want to make it better right <laughs> you know so yeah it's yeah, similar but yeah it's totally different in a way yeah uh so yeah that, that's one of the um, first things i thought about i was like just how different and how toxic versus you know versus the movie industry which is i i would kind of equate to being more similar to the game industry than anything else were you about to say ryan yeah i mean i feel like oh no i just i feel like both kind of suffer from you you know the uh available publicity and access people have now to everything where you know the minute you start divulging information there's expectations set and the minute those kind of diverge from like so you know people get things in their head and the minute you say hey it's going to be one thing and then you go down the road a little and say like you said with a release date or maybe a game feature you know hey well we were going to do that but we can't quite work that so it's going to change to this and somebody already had it built up in their head that's really what they wanted so you know, with this availability of information, they sort of get ticked off and say, oh, well, I already thought it was going to be one thing, but now it's another thing. And it's just that's great. You know, it's, it's the communication of the Internet that allows for, you know, a lot of information to be shared, but also at the same time allows for like a very quick high and low for people's expectations. That's actually so. a good point that made me think of like it's just as far as like availability of information and just uh, I guess this is, um, you know, like if. if I feel like a lot people, a lot of people, or consumers of games have some some surface level. Uh, what was the phrase that he used that uh, he just said? Uh, Dunning Kruger. Like when right. you have like an idea of what can go, what goes into a game. Like oh, I've made a I've made a Tetris clone at home, so I have a, a good understanding of what it takes to right. make a game. And where, whereas with movie industry. I very I, I assume very few people know what it takes to make a movie, even from casting to you know you know set. Well, here I would I would argue that a lot of people don't know what goes into making a game. I mean, That's, yet they're more accessible because they're in your home when you first get them. You're playing them, you're interacting with them, and so you feel the more I. I well, this may be more of an opinion, but I feel you're more personally connected, so you feel you're understanding it more. You're interacting with it. There's an input-output, whereas a movie's a purely an output thing. Exactly. And so, I, I, you know, I think people build up in their head like, well, I've played enough of these and kind of understand it, so obviously, you know, I my expectations are my... Uh, evaluation of what should be is valid because I have an experience in the realm because I can provide input. Exactly. Whereas a movie is pure output. And um, well, somewhat and I get that. Yeah. Well, and, well, and, and I think it, I think this also like just a, as we start this discussion, it also marks. It's almost a weird problem in just nerd. It's not nerd culture, but it is culture. But it's nerd culture and in, in general and just fandom culture. Let's call that mm-hmm. in general because yeah. I even think movies have that problem now because. That yeah, before like you either like them, maybe That's don't. You true. don't like the prequels, cool. But now, and I'm part of this because I have podcasts where I talk about movies and stuff. Where you go like, 
you know what? I wish that they would have done this and this right. and this. And you, and then it is that same kind of thing. Cause it's like, just, just like a game where you take it home and you're testing these systems. You're like, why is this like this? Why did they nerf this gun because of right. this and blah, 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 blah. That's true too. Well, but, but see, I don't think that is the same. Well, this may be another conversation, but like with a movie, as you first experience it, I mean, you can analyze it and then give feedback, but with a game, like, you know, you can play it and have a different oh. experience than somebody and else and solve problems a different too, way. Though. Right. That's also yeah, you can't change too. the movie. And that's <laughs> that's why I feel that, like, you know, more people feel involved with games is because they can change it, they can mess with it, they can poke at it, they can prod it and say, like, well, this game's, like, movement and firing systems and quest systems did this, and this one's obviously inferior because I played this one. And, you know, obviously, why can't they do the same thing this other company did because I experienced that? So it's like, it's like, well, you know, why can't, this restaurant make as good a steak as that restaurant or you know it's like well, or like why aren't these tacos as good as these uh I, this pasta it's like it's, it's they're two different things <laughs> right. and sometimes it's, i'm sorry i'm trying to i'm very bad at analogies why did you struggle like, to get a food item it wasn't like it was yeah no, no, i thought tacos <laughs> i thought empanadas and then tamales and i was like oh i want to eat all that and i can't uh. think of anything else so oh i i think that's sorry, actually but, a good point though too it's like as we get, because well, what we're going to try to do with this discussion is break down some of these reasons and then also talk about if it, there is like a way out of this. But I think that what you mentioned, Obina, is the, is the point of like how we all got here and why it's so polarizing is that because of that Dunning Kruger idea, that effect where, you know, they really did the study of the, the people that know the least about something say they know the most about it. You know, that's right. the reason we that, that feeds into politics, it feeds into everything, right? right? But it also feeds into this. And I, what you have now is like kind of a vicious cycle of like, well, they don't share enough. People aren't sharing a lot. And then the people, because they're not sharing a lot, they have less information. And But, but because of that Dunning-Kruger effect, they have less information, but they also think they know more. And so it just becomes this thing. It's like, you actually don't know what's going on, but also you think you're right. You're like, it just becomes a thing and thing. And so... Let's try to break this down. Let's start. Let's start from a pro-consumer side of this. Let's talk about this for a second. Actually, the first one I'm going to mention is one that I don't agree with. But let's let's break down some of the reasons, common complaints from consumers, and why they would feel this. Because a lot of the response I saw in this article were like, "Yeah, that's a good point." But what about this from developers? And they went through this list, and so I wrote down every one that I heard. But the first one that I have a problem with is, and the one that I hear the most is missing promised features. Meaning, and they mention this a lot, it's in that Blood, Sweat, and Pixels book where they talk about, and we hear this all the time, where they, for E3, they made this demo that wasn't actually real, right? It's a demo of something, and it kind of worked on the shoestring thing, and it sort of worked, but that's not what the game ended up being. We have a bunch of examples of that from, like, Bioshock to, I mean, Bioshock Infinite was famous for that. Um, some other ones that had really interesting renders. Well, um well, Watch Dogs had Watch Dogs, some that was like, yeah, yeah. yeah, Division actually had some showcased uh, features what was that, like, what was for space, mobile interactions. That space game, uh, uh, No Man's Sky, No Man's Sky, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No Man's Sky. That one really took it on the chin. Yeah. That, that's interesting to talk about. So this is what I this is why I want to talk about because it is different because like that happens with movies that most famously, most recently happened like with Rogue One, right? They showed the first trailer for Rogue One and had a bunch of shots and cool things in it. And the movie came out and people generally liked it, right? I, you know, they're like, cool, this is a good movie. Yeah. But it didn't have any of those shots. And even they went to talk to <laughs> Gareth Edwards, the director. He, he shot some stuff just because it looked cool and they put it in the trailer. And then they also totally rewrote a lot of the movie and reshot a bunch of it. And that's why some of it's not in there. And people have less of a problem with that because the end result was fine. And they're like, yeah, this is fine. But with games, I feel like when you show a game, there's a big culture about graphics and what it looks like and what you can do and when we're seeing it we're assuming that that's the thing right we're assuming that oh i'm gonna be able to do that because they show that to me but that's mm -hmm. not always the case and i don't actually feel that because we know that's all bullshit so i is that a weird I, I, this is a weird where we have a different kind of biased perspective of this i mean right where I, people i mean go ahead no, I, I mean, I, th I uh, in that regard, I think you're right. Is we do have a little bit of biased perspective because you know we come from within an industry where we're like, yeah, we know if you show some demos and stuff that you know people will sort of BS or sleight of hand things just to give a better presentation. It's like smoke and mirrors, you know. It's it's right. a sales program there, um, and you know. It, and I, yeah, this is where this gets tricky because it's like, yeah, you want to try to put your best foot forward and sell something, but then it's a slippery slope when all of a sudden, you know, 
consumers watch that and then expect that you know well that's absolutely what i'm going to get right you know it's right. like i will get that level of fidelity from my graphics and it's like well yeah maybe maybe not you know because they're probably running it on high end pcs and you, if you don't have one of those you're probably not going to get it so or they just completely did it for the demo and there's no situation where you'll ever see that you would so. think at, at this and maybe again this is the biased perspective coming in but at this point in in game development i guess existence that uh when when you do these like uh expo demos or where you're showing off these high-end graphics on uh for your game that the majority of the the consumer or the people that you're marketing to especially when you're delivering those kind of uh shorts and and uh, trailers is the the individual and the gamer that knows that that is either for a high-end device or it's not something that's it's it's literally just a trailer it's it's not something that you, you can expect in your game and you would think that the culture would pick up on those cues, and I, I don't know because you, you you know just like any marketing trick or marketing, um, I guess procedure or protocol, that's that's something that's happening, and you should know that as a consumer that this is and, just marketing. Well, and I think this kind of boils down to with this topic though, it's not just the look of it too. Like people, like really take seriously. I don't know the, the way I look at this stuff is that I like, oh, that looks pretty cool. That's gonna happen. Oh, that'd be so neat if they can do that. Because the reason what I say to the biased opinion is that we're coming at it from as a game developer, <laughs> like Zach and I's game, or you guys get your game of being. You're like, we want to do this. I think we can do this. And then you're like, well, let's see what happens when it comes out. <laughs> you know. And so we are at that point of like, we know how much up to the last week features can change and stuff can happen and then you cut stuff and that's what we talk about on the show every week all those things can happen that's part of it sometimes you get a better mix because of that but just stuff shifts around and it's so turbulent because of that um so when you hear those things a lot of times those promises are weird because and i don't i'm not saying this isn't fully on the you know like against the <coughs> consumer side because the developers maybe we should word it differently because no man's sky you guys mentioned is a perfect example of this those guys there are I shit you not, like a thousand YouTube videos of people like putting out like a court case against those people <laughs> about listen to this. In this interview, he stated that this would be the case and this would be the case. Right. And then they kind of came out with the game and on the game box and what, you know, not we bought it on Steam, but what the game descriptions, this, this is my thing. It was like, what does a pre-promise mean? Because I, I understand in the age of pre-orders and that that kind of sucks And because if you're getting somebody to pre-order, but there's no reason to pre-order a game anymore. First, let's say that. There's, <laughs> there's unlimited supply of digital games now. There's no reason to pre-order. That being said, what does a promise mean? Because they're not necessarily lying. When they release the game and put it again on Steam and you read the description, the feature list, they're not lying there, right? But maybe what they said six months ago was a little hyperbolic. So where who where does the blame lie? I mean, of course, I don't know. I think it's a little bit of both because maybe they should. It's kind of weird because it's like you, you could say the developers should be a little more straightforward and go, hey, we want to do this and we couldn't, blah, blah, blah. But that's not a great way to launch your game by going exactly. putting caveats out there. So it's like, what what do you guys think about what a, a pre-release promises? Those things like those Peter Molyneux you know, famously says, we're going to make you change your life with this dog in Fable 2. And you're like, yeah, it's fine. It's a dog. It didn't right. do it much. It's like, it's fine. So what do you guys think of that? Like how much to task should developers be held? Or is that how much is that at like people getting carried away with those promises? Yeah. Honestly, listen, there. You know, the No Man's Sky thing, I must admit, I got caught up in. I was like, hey, they didn't quite deliver what I thought they were going to deliver. But in the end, this is an industry that is selling a product. And I'm, right. you know, I'm, I'm yeah. not saying like outright lie. That's, there's no place for that. But, you know, like you said, are you going to go on an interview and start putting caveats and try to get into these little right. minutiae details <laughs> and be like, well, yeah, it is multiplayer, <laughs> but only in this certain circumstance. And then it muddies the waters yeah. and you're like, yes, there is a degree of multiplayer. And again, you know, in this day and age, it's like, guys, you don't have to pre-order. You don't have to buy it right away. You want to wait two weeks? Two weeks? I know it sounds ridiculous in a like Amazon Now world, but you know, hey, you can wait to get a review and people's feedback to actually buy into of, this, it, right? Yeah, <laughs> even the day of, then all the reviews come out. It's like so. I I do see why people get frustrated with how things are presented leading up to it, but it's a marketing machine with any other product. Right. And again, that may not be an excuse all the time, but at the same time, you all nobody's forcing your hand on this you can wait and make a decision you right. know so it's like and if you're mad 
when you bought it day one after all the hype, that's only on you. That was on me for No Man's Sky. I was like, man, this isn't quite what I expected. Well, yeah. Right. And but I think, that's well, on me. And it's kind of like, do, do the do the pre-release promises count as like a changelog? Because again, like, so the game comes out and then at the, anytime they post <clears> an update, you post a changelog. What happened? We changed this. We nerfed this. We, you know, fixed this. But I think people have a problem because they take every one of it from like three years back everything they mentioned as some kind of like, oh, that's a feature. So if it comes out and you didn't do that, I need to change log. So right. you're saying you didn't do that. I, and that's, I don't know how you do that. That's impossible. Yeah. Right? I don't think, I don't think there's, there could be, again, this is maybe our bias kicking in here, but I don't think there could be much onus be uh, put on the developer uh, to be held accountable for those pre- promises that fall through. Cause I think that is the nature of, of games, I guess, and game development. Uh, and I think that just needs to be understood, like, especially like, cause it wouldn't make sense from a product or production standpoint to basically short sell yourself as a game. Like, hey, we could possibly get in multiplayer, but let's not say anything and then surprise them with it later. You know, if we were to get it right. finished, it, it wouldn't make sense to do it that way. That's why it makes sense to, hey, we're going to shoot for multiplayer. If we do fall short, we'll mention it however earlier it was we can and then we'll go from there and that and i think that's that's what you do as a company and as as anything like i think yeah i like that you're bringing it back to like the more business aspect because like that's one thing that i think people forget is these companies aren't going to crap on themselves i'm gonna be like oh crap i you know i screwed up I right <laughs> you know like they're it's just not gonna happen right. you know so when they release these games where Maybe they made these these pro- maybe not even promises that said, oh well, you know, we wanted to do this. You know, we, saying we wanted to do this and it's going to do this are two separate things, right? You know, so I I look at everything as like it's think of them as as corporations, not going to be completely honest with, with everything that they're doing. You well, know, they might maybe not misrepresent, uh, but. They're not going to tell you if oh no there's there is a bug in this level and you can it can break it. And I think I think that's very selling it. I think it's very rare that you'll you'll find a company or game studio that ever is lying or or blatantly trying to misrepresent what they're trying to put out. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it it goes to the nature of the what we're doing here because like again, like Ryan said, a movie is a little bit different because it's like. We made some promises with this movie, but a promise with the movie is easy. You put a line of dialogue in there and show a scene, and it's like, oh, we showed Luke. <laughs> you know, like, uh, whatever it is, it's like, it's, but with games, it's like, people don't understand. It's like, even with, even if it's like a Destiny or something else, like the first person shooter, it's a pretty standard genre. <laughs> Every time you do it, you're reinventing. You have a, unlimited possibilities, and you're reinventing the whole world for your product, right? Like, you're trying to do stuff like that. It is possible. It's very hard with a movie to do something that hasn't been done before. I mean, you can show some stuff, but it's it's a two-hour movie, average, right? right. You go to the movie theater, you see it. With right. a game, it can be a 30-minute crazy experience. Mm-hmm. It can be a 100-hour thing. There's there's just so much possibilities and new ground to break, you know, as an industry. It's so – I mean, and that's why we love about it. It's because you can always break new ground. I don't think it, it's ever going to get to be very just standardized in that same way. So it's like – we talk about the stuff though you want to try and if it doesn't get there i mean do we need to have like a you know an auditing of all the stuff that we wanted to do and couldn't do that's that seems weird right yeah yes <laughs> honestly actually the the game like just thinking about it i mean the game industry is actually you know, the whole article came up about like being more open, but you know, I'm trying to think of another industry. Like, we've been comparing it to the movies. Like, mm-hmm. do, do the movies have a yearly conference where they like show off like 30 minutes worth of their <laughs> nah. movie? They have like and get they feedback? Have a teaser trailer no. and two trailers, and that's it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Do they have things like Kickstarter where they're like, hey, this is what we're shooting for. Here's what we're going to describe. We're trying to sell this and what we think you like. And, you know, oh, yeah, no, they don't have that either. And here's the thing. Games are interactive and you need a feedback loop for this. So maybe you pitch something. People like, that sounds great on paper. And then, you know, the developer's like, shit, that did sound great on paper. But we start playing it. And that sucks on paper, you know. It's like it—it's just—it's not working, you know. And we need—we need, mean, to, can't we need to pivot always, right. to make it fun. And like, wh- what do you tell? You know, why? Why are right. people like, no, this is no longer the way you said it was? It's like, yeah, because the way I said it was honestly sucked, you know. That's absolutely right. Because yeah, you might be making a a pro better game decision. Like I said, like you say in Force Awakens, we're gonna have Han Solo. And then you just have to make that Yay! deal and get, get them in the movie. It's not that hard. Right. Right. But this yeah. is like, we're going to have unlimited guns. You're like, 
Yeah, but now we've thought about it. And once we start playtesting <laughs> it, you're like, hard. well, not even just hard, but maybe like, yeah, maybe it's hard and maybe that's an issue with it. But maybe it's even a, to, to Ryan, what he said to the developer credits, like, you know what? That, that wasn't actually fun. We right. thought it was a cool experiment, but we thought of something even better now right. that makes it better. And they're like, that's not what you said. And I, I think also, <laughs> as we're comparing these two industries, um, like movies and, and games, I feel like it's, it's also important to note that I think there are there is a subsection of movie critics that are that that are that hyper hyper right. you know go get them try to try to rip apart every movie uh section of the True. movie industry where they're like where there's just like a and i think it's it's a smaller subset because like right to i guess andrew's point he said you know the movie industry is it's not that much it's not that flexible it's not like it's you're going to expand beyond the bounds of what Eight movies hour can movie do. or something exactly <laughs> yeah. you're going to keep it it's pretty much going to be the same whereas an album games, I mean, music and an album is going to be an hour average long you know 45 minutes it's the same ex- stuff. Yeah. exactly whereas the games anything everything is so fluid and different in each in each game so and it's and it's a lot of mouths to feed i guess you whereas with movies you know you can do your comedy you can do your rom-com there's like certain genres you can have and certain takes on movies but with games well, yeah. everything can be completely different and that's what i talk and that's why i think a little bit this unfair because even like i said i've on friends podcast that we talk about you know movies and game of thrones and stuff like that and anytime i bring up a point we always have this thing where we do fun episodes called reconstructive criticism <laughs> where it's like i'm tired of shitting on this thing let, let me tell you what i would like to do and you can judge that you know it's not right. it's like i'm being positive and saying this is what i like to do and if you don't like that that's okay too but i the reason we preface it that way is because i think it's hard to when people do this with music and movies and stuff a lot of times, and when they do it in those cases, I always say it's a little unfair because you can only judge what's there. It's not fair to judge what the thing could have been, and even though we do that, you know, like the prequels could have been so much, like, well, this is what they are, and they still suck. But it's like, what, what, what could have, you know, people do that a bunch. Like, it could have been so awesome if this. It's like, well, but that's not the, you weren't there, you didn't make the decision, it wasn't your money, so that's unfair to judge it that way. And I, the problem with game culture, I think. They only judge it that way about what it could have been. Right. Actually, I have a quick question that kind of sparked after our initial conversation and what you just said. But I was wondering, when do you think, when do you guys think this culture, this toxic culture for games started? When do you think it, like, when was the onset of, like, oh. Internet. (laughs) Internet? (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. I was going to say Twitter, but yeah, internet. You think it's the internet, honestly? I have an around no, line that opinions is. are like assholes. Everybody's got one. And that's the problem with the internet. So yeah. we all, like, just because you have an opinion or don't like something doesn't mean that's in a valid, <laughs> that doesn't mean that's a constructive or interesting point. Yeah. You might just not like something. There's some games that I don't like some weird puzzle game. I don't like puzzle games. So me bitching about that is not going to push a discussion forward. But the problem with the internet is that it doesn't matter if the discussion is pushed forward or anything can get better out of that. People will just vent whatever they feel. Right. And that's different. And here's the thing, okay, with the there's the internet and then there's I think also the level of effort on the internet. So, right, you know, yeah. it's like you you go you go back to the the days of like I'm going to date myself. Like BBS is like Rar, dial up this type man. of shit. Yeah, right. old man me. <laughs> Where you could only get this information through like magazines or maybe message boards you had to seek out and this and that. Right. You know, it was it was a very limited um right. forum for discussion. Now, and uh, you know, I'm not saying that's better. I'm absolutely not saying that. It's but you had a just a, you know a limited set of information there. Whereas now anybody and everybody can start up a YouTube channel, start a blog, start a, you know, a podcast, whatever. And like we're doing right now and just, just saying, Hey, here's my opinion on this, blah, 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 blah. And you know, it it just is ramped from there. And you know, I'm not saying that this is like better or worse. It's just that now, like you said, everybody has an opinion now and everybody has the faculties to project that opinion out into the ether. So, and so to go along with this this conversation yeah. and slash question, but since the the I guess the onset of the internet or the introduction of the internet as providing this medium for toxicity in games, isn't it the same? Isn't that toxicity existing in every aspect, like from MySpaces to uh, blog posts or people just or even YouTube where people are just commenting True. bullshit the whole yes. time? So what well, what what do you think? I, I, I have a theory on this, but what do you think is making our the gaming culture have a different level of toxicity, or is or is it even different at all, or is it the exact same? 
Well, I think I think just, in just general, I think I think across all fandom, it's the same. Though. I really do think movies are catching yeah. up to this, and I think right. and I think it's because I'll use an example. We'll use a movie example recently. Of this is that I think it's because you also, you don't. It's not just the fans. You not have social media. You also have sites. You have professional. You have hundreds of game sites, hundreds, thousands of movie sites that have to cover stuff. There's so much news in a day. But if there's a little dust up on Twitter, like they covered this story, which is just one person saying something and hundreds of people respond, you know what I mean? Like, so they have to, they have to report stuff. And usually a lot of times if it smells like a controversy. It's a controversy. So like just recently, you know, the whole deal with the episode in Star Wars, I'll bring back Star Wars again. I always, all my references are to Star Wars, by the way. Like, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but <laughs> episode nine, that. the Colin Trevorrow, the guy direct Jurassic World got direct, uh, he got fired for whatever reason. And then they brought JJ Abrams back. And online, there's this very, very, I don't know if the vocal minority, there's just a, if you look at YouTube comments, people hate J.J. Abrams. And even though that movie had like a very high rating critically and, you know, commercially, I loved it. I think all, you know, Star Wars fans here loved it. It was great. It's fun. It, they, there's, there's this weird hate against him. And then I saw when he got announced, they're like, oh, there's a mixed, you know, it's a mixed reviews online. And there's like, there's even people that started this petition, change.org petition to like get him fired. Off the movie, I was like, what? what? I was like, what are you talking about? Really? And I was like, and to me, I was like, that kind of disheartened. like, I think he did a good job. I, I just get hard. Like, I just don't like troll. And I was like, what is this? And I looked it up and I looked, I searched the story and there's like about 20 different of these little news blogs, you know, film news blogs covering it just like a game <coughs> story would. Right? right. And I was like, what is the deal? And I tracked down the original change.org. I checked it that day. I just checked it this day. That day. I was like, how many people have actually signed this petition? And they wrote this whole stupid, intense thing about it. And I was like, again, I love Star Wars, but it's a freaking movie. Who cares? Don't spend all your time. Just just accept it or don't go to it. That's all you have to do. But they they wrote this whole thing out. And they at the time, they only had 2,000. They have like 4,000 now. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Out of like the millions of people that saw that movie, 4,000 people have a problem with it to, enough to sign this petition. But I'm not saying I, I'm sure the people listen like oh, I don't like that movie either. Whatever. But what I'm saying is that it gets so much coverage where you think that happens politically too. You think there's a balanced issue here. You know, there's mixed reviews. It's like ah, mixed because I think there's a the industry. This is like sounds like it's a weird media that we just have this machine that has to kind of churn up stuff. And I think you get people covering it, and there's like oh, there's problems with this thing, and they get this thing, and the Mass Effect three thing happened with Bioware, and it's like. How many people really cared if they changed the ending or not? But it created well, stories okay. and they changed the ending of the game because of yeah. Well, okay. People, Here's the know. thing: is is when when the fuck was everything supposed to be catered to everyone? Yeah, you know what like, I mean? Don't is that, play that's it. The bottom line, sometimes <laughs> yeah. like it's like, oh, well, this wasn't the way I like it. That wasn't my feel. It's, it's like, well, fuck you. Thing. Maybe it's not for you. <laughs> you know? Well, I didn't like that mechanic. Well. Great googly boogly, post it on your blog and move the fuck on because, I, you know, I don't know. Like, it's funny. Like, the more I keep thinking about this, the more I'm like, you know, the game industry has done stuff that has definitely not <coughs> endeared, you know, you know, some consumers. Like, you know, I'm just looking at some of our bullet points. Yeah, let's we list some of these other. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, you know, like microtransactions, buggy releases, early access, DLC that's maybe the rest of the game. Yeah, there's some corporate publisher stuff that's kind of gone awry there, you know, and it's... And they named that. I understand that. They, they yeah. named that as... I don't know, just real quick. They named that... As I was looking at our outline, I realized this mispromises is the only one that matters for this discussion. Those other things are things that they named that have nothing to do with them, you know, this whole problem of sharing. Right. Well, that's true. They, yeah. They, it's you, like, they're you know, naming them as crimes against the, the developer, where it's like, well, that doesn't affect what we talked about, you know, when we told you yeah, what the game would be. Right. It's like, you know, these are more um, like economic or monetization or just like, you know, scheduling publisher almost type things. Because honestly, you know, most devs you will talk to will be like, we will, f they will fucking churn on it till the end of time till they think it's right. perfect, you know, uh, but there's money that needs to be made there. And so I, I think that's where this whole thing comes from is it's like, you know, they're afraid to say anything because it's not necessarily that they don't want to deliver they don't think they can deliver it's the fact that there are extenuating circumstances in an economic situation that say hey we are beholden well, for all these millions we are paid to get something out to market to make somebody else money uh, you know you know 
Well, and, 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 and that's what's going to control it and drive it a lot of the time. That's why they have to cut stuff. That's why they have to maybe do some different things. It's not always right. I'm not going to say it is. But, you know, not everyone can be like you're mentioning um, um, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. You know, not everybody can be like a Stardew Valley and, you know, actually sit in a basement for five years and do it. No, no disrespect to that guy. But, you right. know, it's just like you can't – not everything is that idealistic, you know. so Well, and I think that book shows a good version of that. They show bigger studios. But, right. And it's also yeah. like – I think it's it gets to the core of this. It's like it, it, it's a weird cycle, like I said before, because the problem is <laughs> the problem of sharing is that we don't share, and because we don't share, it becomes more of a problem, <laughs> right? Because you get people not understanding what's going on. Like, I, for instance, this, the No Man's Sky thing. I remember that trailer came out, and they're like, and it's a problem with how they worded it. They're like, so and so procedurally generated trees and animals, and it's like. I saw that and we're like, yeah, they probably have a set of trees they made and they switch between them, right? And then, but the people, the, the talk I heard about that was like, it's just going to rent. I was like, no, you can't just create meshes from scratch. They made a big <laughs> pool of meshes and they're mixing them up with textures and colors. That's what's happened. But people don't understand that. So they think it's just going to create life or something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then I was listening to, it's funny because I started listening to, you know, a long time ago, and I used to play Halo 3 all the time. I listened to the Bungie podcast. And they kind of took all this time off, but they've done a few around Destiny's 2 release. And with Luke Smith, who's the creative director who kind of behind the whole thing, and a couple other people. And it's interesting because listening to that, they haven't done one this month. They did one in September, but before that, they're like June, July, and they're playing it. They were playing it in March. They had builds done where they're playing at their house five hours a night in March. Oh, wow. So, one that shows you that every decision that's in there. I was talking to Zach about this today. Every decision about you know weapons and balancing, they intended. Nothing happened by accident. So if you don't like right. it, this you don't like the decision. But it's not they screwed up. They like well, we thought this was the right thing. We wanted to do this. Two, when you talk about the big controversy from Destiny Two, and we'll talk about Destiny later. Hint, hint. Is that is that <laughs> the really big thing? Is like the the shaders are disposable and you can buy them and stuff. That's the big thing that people freak out about. One, I'm going to do some sub-nested points. One Point is that one a, yeah. I have too many shaders. I can't do anything with them. I have too many of them. Like, I'm overflowing with shaders. Who cares? It's stupid. But two, it, when they, they actually talked about that. And they talked about, you know, we think it'd be cool to help you customize. And what they didn't say is there that Activision, who kind of gave them money, is probably like, hey, we need some kind of microtransaction stuff in here. And they're going, you know what? We, we one we can kill two birds with one stone. We can give them a little bit of that, but we can also what they did is provide more you know functionality. They allow you to put shaders on individual things and not your whole thing now. You know a whole set of armor. So it's like we we gave something to the players and we also appeased Activision. They can't say that explicitly, but we know that happened, right? We know that they're saying, hey, we need something. You know, we need some inroads and monetization here. What can you do? And they're like, well, this is the least <laughs> impactful thing we could do for you. But then people freak right. out, like, this is a dumb decision. I was like, but you're not sitting there in an Activision boardroom. who d They gave you $20 million to make this game, or $100 million probably, right? To make this game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, this is a dumb decision. I was like, yeah, but that you had a different set of parameters when you were solving that problem while you were playing the game and getting pissed. That's the thing. We yeah. don't understand what they're going through. And some of those things, they can't. The problem is we're saying what can they share, but some of the things they can't share because those are business decisions and it's not – Yeah. You can't talk about that stuff, right? Right. I mean, yeah, some of it is just like they had to do – like you said, it's a business. They had to do it for some sort of monetization aspect and they can't just blurt that out in the, you know, up front, you know, so I don't know. And that's what I said too. When I we don't talk, know. Yeah. When we talk about bugs and games and stuff, we talked about it on, with one of our listeners on PUBG on the internet on our Facebook group and it's like the thing about games is that when when a game comes out, we've talked about this before, all the developers know what's wrong with it. <laughs> the people that work in that game know the problem. If there are problems and if they're extensive, they know it, right? Um, and even they, it came out this week, the Mass Effect Andromeda, you know, we talked about how it had the crazy and, you know, the animation bugs and all that stuff. Right, what happened right, in that yeah. game is they were banking on a delay and they didn't get it. And so they had to finish it. They're like, oh, crap. We thought we were going to get a delay of, like, you know, six <laughs> months, but now we have to finish it. The thing is, they all knew that when it came out, and but they can't say that. So, what do you guys do? You guys think this is a problem that can be solved by sharing? I mean, because sometimes no. they're hand, they're, they have their hand time, have their back by money people, right? 
Right. I, well, I don't think they. I don't think they can share. And like, what are you going to share? The fact that I mean, again, this is people in the industry know. Like, you know, like you said, hey, the animation's busted. The animators know that. You know, hey, there, there's a problem with um, you know, you know, there's bugs in the game. The QA department knows that. It's like when they have a date and it has to go out the door. It's like it kills them. But they're like, here's the backlog of shit we know is going to get flack. But we've got a date to meet because the holidays are coming up or something like that. And it's, yeah, it's like you can share all that, but what does that gain you? Like, hey guys, here's the list of bugs that are going to, you know, show up. Because I guarantee you, the minute you say that, and, hey, we're going to be honest and upfront. Here's all the stuff we would like to do. Here's where it fell short. Here's why. Here's the list of bugs that are come out in the, you know, initial release. And it's going to be like, why can't you guys do your jobs right? You know, it's like, pff, fucking hell. You know, like, what do you do to win? I, you don't, I think. And it's almost like a mood point it's like you can share as much as you want there are still going to people that judge you because they didn't get exactly what they want right. it's actually, so it's like why bother it's actually yeah. like ties into i guess the theory that i had about why this culture has was started and or why it exists the way it is um and just it goes back to like the sharing aspect and if sharing would change anything and i think we're talking right. about two different two different i guess camps we're talking about the triple a developer and we're also talking about that's oh we true. also need to that's be talking about right. the indie developer and that's where i think the our people <laughs> yeah our people i think that's why i think that's where maybe the harshness of this toxicity is really stemming from is in the indie developer i guess realm and and the gamers who participate or you know feed off of indie game development or just knowing it exists help like contribute to the toxicity because in that realm of i guess influence in indie gaming you're able to affect change in some way usually you are able to either by voicing your opinion posting on their their forums paying in kickstarter you can basically affect change in the game and they, and I think a lot of gamers are trying to, you know, apply that kind of mentality and thinking and ability to affect change to AAA game developers who do not operate the same way any, uh, any games, any game developers right. in game studios do. But do you think any game developers really are that responsive? I like, think to, to see like, to see anything they are. I think, I think they, especially initially, especially in the, 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 I guess start or I guess the beginning stages of indie game developers that we were they were listening because i mean you needed money and then your your gamer was your your so hello games who made no man's sky was technically an indie developer right they had five people when they started the game yeah right yeah well so i mean like it it gets a i think i i understand what you're saying man absolutely like with like see meat uh super meat boy yeah, those guys are probably way more responsive, but then you get like a No Man's Sky who then maybe got some funding to actually take that vision of what they presented to get off the ground. It's like, oh. Yeah, okay. You know, well, then uh, I'm, talking, I'm talking about two different aspects. I'm talking about the not. Okay, I'm sorry, talking about the, there's the money aspect of money. What, what like, uh, contributes to being indie, like, money wise, financially, uh, like, financial stability wise, versus, like, I'm, I'm a studio who kind of is reliant on. Not a, a bigger company, not not some overarching, you know, venture capitalist or angel investor. I, like I, I basically, I have, I have to add, answer to someone. There's companies that have to answer for someone, and companies that do not have to answer to people. And when you have companies that do not have to answer to people and who are listening to their quote unquote community, that's where I guess the community is the gamer that thinks that they are able to affect change. And then when they think they can affect change in one game. They feel like they should be able to apply that mentality to all games. Ah, okay. I, I see what you're saying there. So I, I I do agree that indie developers not being beholden to people are more able to delay their product, do what they want to do with that, and get it out in their vision. Now, that being said, do the people who follow them like do the, don't those indie developers experience the same thing where it's like, well, this wasn't what I thought it would be. You know, granted, we we've kind of given the caveat sure. for like the bigger AAA industry of like, hey, money, time, whatever sure. affects in product. But I, you know, sure. I, I definitely think that the indie can give get more of a feedback and make sure that they are doing it more right, or they have their own timeline and can get out what they actually envision. But I still think that they probably get some flack. Sure, too. no, that's, that's not my point. My yeah, point right. is that not that they they won't get flack. My point is that they that ability for the gamer to contribute and affect change within a game is what helped affect the overall view that a gamer has this 
has this ground and uh, foundation to affect change and speak on and add toxicity and demand certain I things see. from game yeah. gamers and or game developers. Well, and, and no, I I see that. Yeah. When I was gonna say too, like the I mean the core of this issue too, right? Is that I mean you could just say the way you solve this problem is you go we don't talk about our game and right. we just release it and you see the list of bullet points and that's what's in there correct that's it that's how you know i mean as a game when you're a kid you kind of experience that way before the internet you're like this looks cool i read the back of it at blockbuster i'm gonna rent this cool right, right? but that's not the i mean especially if we're speaking with people they're listening thinking about their own game that's not the way it works because you have to get that hype train rolling man you got to get it going before the game comes out and even now we've we've advocated this and we've talked about you know getting your dev blog and all these other things talking about it but the problem is is because it's such a you know ever shifting tectonic plates of what you think is right and what you think is it's such a discovery process that when you're making a game that when you get to the end of it you're like well, what the I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. So it's like it, there, there's a big question of like if it if the question of like gamers are blaming devs. To me, this is the thing. I, I don't know if it will. I don't know how to this. Maybe we'll talk about this too. I don't know how to prevent toxicity and all that stuff. But the, what I consider <laughs> quote unquote evil or not from devs is this. If they're just sharing stuff, I think this is why I don't even have a problem with Peter Molyneux and those things. Like, he just thought this is a cool target to go for. He's like a Steve Jobs type character, you know? It's like, what if we did this? Would that change your life? You know? <laughs> so it's like, if you're a game, you're like, oh, you know, we should do this and have these things and this thing. I know. Listen, I'm a, I'm a person that'll, in the middle of a conversation about brainstorming, I will advocate completely. It's like, it has to be blue. And this is, these are 40 reasons, bullet point. Let me go for reasons why it should be blue. And then when somebody says, but it could be red because of this, I'm like, you know, you're right actually <laughs> you know i i but that's a good you need to be able to shift and stuff when you're based that you need to be able to go to what makes the thing better and so the way the litmus test i'd use for developers is go you know are they doing it out of sheer enthusiasm they want to share what they're working on or is it actual deception right is it actual saying what some people with the watchdogs thing and other things are like hey they said it was gonna be this and it was actual gameplay and they prefaced it with that right and then it wasn't this and they compare there's another game too. I can't even think. There's a lot of games that they do like they said this was the actual render, but it wasn't actually what it came out to be. Oh, even Dark Souls Two, I think, was another one that did that real time lighting, and it wasn't really real time. So that's the. I mean, I do think that is a bad side of this, a toxic side. That, but again, that's usually probably publishers, right? Or publishers leaning on the developers to show something. They're like, I don't yeah, make know it what to show, make it right? shiny. Yeah. yeah, it's like I don't. It's it's a weird problem because I don't think people understand how. Unmovable. This forces how much money is just like the movie. It's like they always talk about the movie or TV show. The fact that any movie or TV show gets made is a miracle because what it has to go through. Like you wrote a script, what that has to go through to get made or a game, you know, an idea. The fact that it yeah, has g- good people and good people that's amazing. It has a good team that's amazing. That it actually all those ideas coalesced is is a goddamn miracle, <laughs> right? <laughs> And people don't understand that. So, like, it's a huge moving train of things that happen. And it, it, it just becomes a weird thing when you expect. I don't I don't know what the example. Can you guys tell me an example in real life of where people get this much responsiveness out of something, of some kind of service? You can't even go to a fast food place and get the same kind of service. Google searching. Demand. You know what I mean? Like, I said this and you gave me this. Like, but that happens throughout life. And much less a $100 million game project ran by a corporation and 200 developers across the world. You're not going to get responsiveness out of that, and you're not going to get exactly what you want. You're going to get what made sense for them. Right? Yeah, people still eat their shitty burger when it doesn't look like the ad on TV, right? So, yeah. so Nobody true. goes to the forums like, there was not that much fucking lettuce on here. Well, <laughs> I guess that's to your, your point. That's a good thing. I mean, people are passionate about it, right? And they love games. Yeah. They feel personal connections to it. But... I also think that I've talked to that this with Zach. I don't know Zach. We lost Zach, I think, on this call. But like, I've talked to him about we've he's complaining about stuff. Other people like we talk about, and anytime somebody's complaining about, it, it's like, well, don't say that shitty or you can say you don't agree with their decision. But I think they made that decision, right? Artistically, you can disagree with it. You don't think that system or that gun is is buffed the right way, but they made that decision. It wasn't a mistake. They didn't fuck up. 
that's their opinion and you have an opinion so if if you want us to like respect your opinion as a gamer i feel like they should respect the game developer's opinion because i always feel like it comes from a point of like they're fucking idiots they didn't know how to do this like no that was their opinion and just because you don't you know you know agree with it doesn't mean a billion other people also don't agree with it you know Right. And I mean, and that kind of gets into the whole like sort of constructive criticism versus just being a douchebag. You know, it's like, you know, this wasn't what I expected. Screw you. Why aren't there twice as many levels? It's easy to make levels. It's like, so yeah, there's, there's always going to be that sort of idiot minority that's just like, why isn't it just infinite, you know, what I want to do? And it's, you know, we we live in reality. We should (laughs) bring someone on that's like a hardcore gaming fanatic. And then interview them and see what they think, and not the biased game developer perspective. Well, not the, yeah, and also not the misogynist, racist people. <laughs> right, that, that <laughs> we to get somebody. You got to keep them out. Just not pick those guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't. I don't know. I just don't think gamers like. I, I say the for me to sleep at night, guys. <laughs> for me to sleep, you know, the political world and the gamer world. I honestly don't think those guys are the majority. I think it's a vocal minority of people that for sure. are just full of hate and all that stuff. And I, I think. And they God, get loud, so. and they get anon- anonymous on the internet, and they dox people and all this stupid stuff. And like right. the guy said, like, you know, of course, <laughs> he's this guy sharing. He's like a white male. Like, what's going to happen for the white male in this country? He's the white male. He's like, what happens to a person of color, or, you know, <laughs> gay, yeah. lesbian, all these people that are doing that stuff. And they get, you're just a woman game developer. Like that one, the, the animation artist for the Mass Effect, you posted, and they're like, oh, you're related to like, a woman. And like... It's just it's just nasty, and I don't even know if that's gamer culture. I just think there's so many gamer cultures. P- kids that love games are also internet people. I think it's just an internet troll YouTube commenter problem, you know. Right. Um, and I don't think that's yeah, the that minority. just gets into- I think that's the majority. I think it's a minority of people. Yeah, I mean it's yeah it's again it's just an ease of ability to be vocal in the world nowadays. I don't know for again, better or worse. Opinions are like assholes. <laughs> Everybody's got them, but doesn't mean. They're all useful. I don't know. That metaphor falls apart when you start extending it. Anyways, I don't know if we help people tonight, but I think real quick. I don't know. I thought it was a good discussion. Well, what can we do if if you have a game coming out? How can you, what could you do? We can't help. I don't know if this is going to help AAA, you know, developers, corporate culture, because corporate culture is always going to push for, you got to do this and they're going to have to do it. And then they're going to get in trouble and this is going to endless cycle. But for the indie developer, what do you guys think, real quickly, as we wrap this up? What can they do to max, like, be transparent as possible, but not, you know, you know, make false promises and stuff? Uh, I feel like uh, dev blogs have been like a, a good boon for indie developers, as far yeah. as like keeping your community updated with your progress and also getting them excited about things. So you're not overselling anything, really. You're just keeping them. You're, you're being transparent about what you're working on with, with, I mean, with the content that you want to be transparent about. So you can keep it, you can kind of limit uh, what you're transparent about and then still get your community excited. It's like that the Google always said their, their motto is like release early and often. One of the Google like product, like producers like always talk about if you're not embarrassed of your first release, then you waited too long. So not, I don't think you should release the game, but. Talk about it. Maybe if you're not embarrassed at your first dev blog, you're like, oh, that looks like crap. Why are we talking about this now? And I, I think that's true. Maybe more frequent updates. And if you say week to week, I made this decision because of this. Again, you don't have to be, you own the game at that point. I really do think once you're, when you're making something, you own it and then you put it on the world and they can interpret how they want to. But at least share your decision making process. If people don't want to agree with that, yeah, who cares? But if they do, you're going to find an audience of people that, like, oh, I'm glad you decided that. I'm, We'll see how that turns out. You know? Right. Yeah. You're always going to find some little bit of hate on the internet. So if you're posting right. it on the internet, you got to be wary of that and cognizant of that. Right. Ryan, you have any advice? <laughs> yeah, keep your mouth shut. Keep no, your no, mouth don't share. shut, <laughs> kids. <laughs> no. no, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. It's like, you know, again, I... Honestly, I don't. I don't think it's a dev problem. The devs would love to share more, you know. And I agree with Obina. It's like you know, if you can, like, get the information out there. Say why you're doing it. Just be communicative, and also learn to shut out the negativity. You know, just if you find something that's being just blatantly, 
negative and just trying to crap all over your ideas without any sort of thought. Like you said um, in the article, you know, there's a 13 to 16 year old who's just like like aping his favorite YouTube commenter. Right. It's like. Honestly, just don't even listen to that crap. Is that really the opinion you're going to value? Yeah, just that gets like, hey, into a bigger sh- cultural problem where kids watch these right. people that are just shitheads. I'm like, oh. Or like, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, you, you need to listen to your audience, but at some point it's also like, okay, this is a 13-year-old kid who's just aping shit. You know, just say, hey, and that's what he did. He's like, hey, here's what, why we did this. Here's why I think this. You know, take it for what it's worth. You know, and again, that's just a communication don't get upset if it doesn't go through and, you know, I don't know. It's like at some point you just kind of got to give up on some people. But, you know, try to find that audience that is actually being genuinely interested in listening to you. And by listening to you, provide them the, you know, information and communication that they can feed off of and, like, give good feedback. So, you know, because making games is an interactive process. So, you know, find those spheres of interactivity that will help out and, you know, help you out, help them out, help them understand, help you understand them and to create a better game. You know, I don't know. Communication. <laughs> but selective communication. Don't listen to the assholes. And maybe maybe direct, like maybe address that head on. That's my my advice in life <laughs> with confrontation and other stuff. And people are like, Oh, I'm scared of that he might think that's like they say, Hey, do you feel like that? It's like, hey, if you guys, you know, are worried about this thing not working out, this is the kind of nature of it. I'm gonna talk about it, things might change, don't worry about it. You know, this is part of the process. Help educate those people, but also don't be afraid to literally address the elephant in the room, right? Say that because right. with the, the, the wonderful thing about any audience, you can you're curating your own audience, like we do on the podcast and stuff. Like I said, I will ban assholes from the debug labs. So if you're an asshole, you, you have the you have the right to do that. Triple A, you get to harder problem, you can't do that. But you know you can do that and just address stuff directly and just be transparent and be. You don't have to share everything. Don't feel beholden to that, but just make sure you feel comfortable. But you want. Just share what you're thinking. That's the kind of fun thing about indie stuff. It can be very personal and stuff. I think that's the problem with No Man's Sky. It was an indie thing that got amped by corporate money. And so you had this very personal feelings. But then they had corporate, you know, constraints and holdings and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster, I think, at that point. And again, like, to their credit, I think they've updated that game. There's like 30 hours of a campaign in there now and stuff. So They have. They uh, From what I hear, it's... They put a lot of content into it now, and it's actually much closer to what they originally wanted. So that's what I mean. So, like a ten-year-old yeah. picking up that game now would be like, "This is awesome." Yeah, you wouldn't and think honestly, about that. yeah, it's just dumb. You know, you, I'll complain about some things about it, but I, you know, I put damn near thirty hours into it, just putzing around, and hey, that you know that was worth my money. So again, and then if you're a game developer and some of my bitches just say, "I look forward to seeing that in your game <laughs> that you make," that's all you have to say, <laughs> and I'll shut up. That's a great piece of advice. We're not going to take a break tonight. We're going to end it right here, and we're going to talk about uh, Patreon. If you want to uh, support us, you like what you hear on the show, you like our past couple of months of one a month, but we're going to get back to two or three months, two a month. I think that's going to be a good goal for us, bi-weekly maybe. Um, you can go to Patreon.com. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. If you like that, I think that'll be good, because I think we get good topics every couple you know, a couple times a month. Right. Um, you go to Patreon.com slash the debug log and support us there. We also we have a kind of influx of people supporting at the ten dollar level, which is awesome because at that level you get to do the Google Hangout every month. Uh, we just did one. We kind of said it's kind of hard because we only have four or five people in there now, so we're trying to work with people's schedule. I think the next month we're just going to start setting a date, and if you want to show up, you can show up. If not, we had an awesome discussion last month with Troy, which is great. You know, we had Grant last month. Every, these guys could have their own show. I'm so surprised how awesome these people are when we get on these. Uh, yeah, it's hangouts awesome. with them. They're like talking. I was like, oh my god, you could. You're better at articulating that point than I am. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, never mind. So, so we have. I think we have four or five people in there now. So hopefully, if we can set a date, we're gonna set a date, and hopefully, everybody can join in. We're gonna start. It's gonna start gonna be in more of a hangout. It's gonna be a party in the Google Hangouts. Um, oh. Right. I, I'm I'm waiting to hear like the different contributors starting to talk to each other. We can sit back and just enjoy the conversation. It'll almost be a reversal. Yeah. Hey, now you're our podcast. Let's listen to you. <laughs> For an hour. Yeah, that's right. Because now we've like we're, we've outnumbered ourselves. There's like five people in there now. Yeah. They can take over. Like we have become you now. We are assimilating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you want to do that, just go to you know the patreoncom log, Look at that. You can do a dollar or whatever you want to do. But it helps us pay for all the stuff. You know, we're not we're not making millions off this. This is just we love doing this because we like working on games and we like sharing it and talking about it. 
And it's our chance to talk to Obina, who lives far, far away. Sad face. <laughs> also, you can go to Facebook, and if you want to join in the discussion for free, right, I guess, you can go to the Debug Lounge, search for that on Facebook, and that's where we have an awesome group of developers, almost 900 now, which is incredible after almost two years. Wow. Over yeah. two years. It is two years, not almost two years. Um, so in there, people are just sharing all sorts of stuff from, you know, questions to, like, we have people like, I wanted to post forever. We got a bunch of, like, um, people talking about game jams, people talking about legal advice we got lately. It's it's a cool mix of people. Um, and, and again, once, well, again once, I've never had to do this in two years, which I'm excited, but I'm, I'm not not excited, but I'll be excited. If there's an asshole, I will ban them. If people start talking shit and just <laughs> shitting out other members. It's not about against us. I don't care. You can shit on us all you want to. That's, that's constructive criticism for us. But... Anyway, search for that at Debug Lounge on Facebook. Join in the discussion <laughs> and have fun. I think we lost Zach. By the way, yeah, he's still trying to. He's 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 cursed by technology. <laughs> he's joining in. He's yeah. Discord. Nothing works for him. Um, I don't know what to tell. We'll get a telegram from him about how it <laughs> telegram. <went> there, so. <laughs> we'll end the show and he'll come back and he'll lost Hello? connections. Hello? Stop. <laughs> Enjoy the episode. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> My we'll do working. next month. Stop. Stop. Have dysentery. Uh, have dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop. I have dysentery. Please stop. Okay, well done. Well, I got. I think you were you were exceptionally well versed for that joke because you're. The age. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I remember when the real world was there. Well, oh, back yeah. in my day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's sign off, Andrew. All right. Yeah. Well, until next time, you can meet me on Twitter. I'm at Andrew underscore Curry. That's C U R R I E. And I am at Obeen. That's O with an H. Beans with a Z. And I am at R E Kilgore. K I L L G O R E. And if you want to Who find uh, Zach, he's at Wookie Jumper 4269. Yeah, 42. Okay. Oh, God, please not 69. <laughs> not 69. He not is Wookie Jumper XXX69420. <laughs> I, I don't think he's ever made a tweet. No scope XXX. tweet in there, so, you know, so follow him. He's getting married. He's, he's stressing out about technology. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Anyways, till next time, hopefully it'll just be a couple of weeks. We will see you later. Bye. Take care. Bye.